Hey, this is Vanessa. I'm the Prevention Services Coordinator at Kane County Sexual Assault Resource Center, or KSARC. This is Building Resilience, a project with the purpose of equipping people with what they need to end sexual violence. In last week's episode, you heard from the Relationship and Sexual Violence Prevention Peer Educators at Green River College. If you haven't listened to it yet, I would definitely recommend stopping what you're doing and listening to that ASAP. In the second part of the conversation about peer education at Green River College, I spoke with Kelsey Behrens, the Assistant Director of Violence Prevention at the Green River College's Violence Prevention Center, who oversees the school's peer educators. For those of you who are interested in what it looks like to develop a peer education program, Kelsey shares about the process and what we believe are really important components of any peer education project, centering student voice and letting the project be truly student-driven. Hey everyone, this is Vanessa, the Prevention Services Coordinator at KSARC, and I'm here with an amazing colleague of mine, Kelsey, who works at Green River College, and I would like to just give her some space to introduce herself and tell you about her role. Great. Hello, everyone. Uh, Like Vanessa said, I'm Kelsey Behrens, and I am the Violence Prevention Center Program Coordinator for Green River College. And for anyone who doesn't know, Green River College is one of 34 community technical colleges in the state of Washington. And we're in, um, we have a couple of different branch locations, but mostly in the South End, um, in Kent, Auburn, and Enumclaw. So the work that I get to do every day is to provide prevention um, activities for the college and to work with students to develop uh, healthy relationship skills and also provide support to anyone who is a survivor of interpersonal violence. So domestic violence, dating violence, sexual assault, and stalking. So that's kind of what the Violence Prevention Center is and who I am. Um, Yeah. Can you share a bit more about the the Violence Prevention Center um, and its existence on campus? Sure. Not all campuses have one. That is very true. In fact, I th- there are only a handful that I know of, um, of the community technical colleges in the state that have any sort of um, interpersonal violence prevention programming uh, that happens on campus beyond the um, kind of mandatory Title IX training and things like that. So it's a pretty unique um, center. And it was created because the college applied for and received funding through the Office of Violence Against Women, which is part of the Department of Justice. So back in 2018, we were awarded some funding to create my position and create the center. And the goal of that was to provide those victim services, that's their frame, um, to anyone who's experiencing interpersonal violence, to work on policies and procedures at the college to make sure they're as trauma-informed as possible so that when people are experiencing violence, the response they're getting is trauma-informed, to create a community uh, coordinated response team, which we get to have the wonderful Vanessa participate in, uh, which also includes folks from our law enforcement, includes folks from student conduct, to really have a whole campus and community approach to providing those services as well as prevention. And then obviously the prevention side, which is something that we hope actually 
engages every single student at the college. Uh, for some students, that means just participating in our new student orientation where we have a prevention section. Um, but we also do, you know, awareness events throughout the year. And then we have our peer educator program, which is just, I still can't believe it happened um, because it came together really, really quickly. But the amazing part of that program, well, there are a couple amazing parts. Um, one is that we actually had funding through our student services fees to pay the students who became our peer educators, which meant they actually got compensated for their time and energy and compensated for the fact that they were developing something that was going to impact our entire college community. So that was huge um, and something that made it much more feasible. Um, yeah, it just, and I think it made it so that the students really could commit the time and energy they needed to, you know, it wasn't something they were trying to fit in on the side. And then um, the other part that I think is one of the most important is that it was really peer led. So the students themselves were the ones that created the curriculum. They got a lot of guidance and a lot of support, but it is their program. Um, and I can talk more if you want about how we kind of developed the entire thing, but I think the peer educator program is definitely like the core of the work that happened um, through the SOBW grant. So. Yeah, I think back to like even a year ago, I think. I don't have any concept of time um, anymore, but it was still like a, a project that we were just kind of, it felt like a dream, kind mm -hmm. of. Like it was a lot of putting, you know, like goals and ideas out there. Um, so I think that's also what contributes to me being so like jazzed that it turned out so well um, because I got to see all of the hard work that was put behind it and all of the intentionality that you put into the program. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really love that you mentioned that, you know, it really is driven by the students. Um, they're the ones that created the, or the mm -hmm. lessons that they presented to um, the campus. And I'm lucky enough to have gotten to just sit in one of them. And it was so great to see them just sharing their passion and knowledge about um, interpersonal violence. So that was, that was so cool to see. Well, and they're just great human beings in general. Um, so I think that really mm -hmm. comes through too, that, you know, they're passionate about this work for a, a variety of different reasons. Um, we're also really lucky to have, and for anyone who listens to the peer educator, uh, session they you know we had two international students and one running start student um which was a really unique i think set of experiences because that means we had someone who's you know high school age who was developing this curriculum along with two people who were from very different parts of the world um and who ranged in age from like also kind of in that late teen early 20s to more like a 25 year old so we had a pretty big age range and experience range, um, which was just so useful, I think, in making something that feels applicable to the student body as a whole. Yeah, I, I specifically remember a conversation that you and I had when I came to visit the campus and you were telling me about the student population of Green River and 
Can you share a bit about that? Because I think, you know, if folks aren't familiar with it, seeing how awesome it is that you had the peer educators that you had serving that school is, is really cool. Definitely. Yeah. And I will not get all of these numbers 100% correct. So if you want to know more about the specific statistics of Green River College students, please go to www.greenriver.edu. And I'm sure you can find lots of the exact numbers. Um, But in general, I think that our student body, if you look at everyone from our English language learners who are in our transitional studies programs, to the folks who are in our trades programs, as well as the folks who are there, you know, as Running Start students, our median age, I think, is somewhere around 26, which means, you know, we have people who are 16 Mm -hmm. on campus and we have people who are in their 60s who are all in class together. Um, I think our Running Start population is somewhere around 2,000 students, which is a lot of students um, to have any given quarter. And those, Mm -hmm. um, I assume most people who are listening to this are probably in Washington State and know what Running Start is. But if you don't, it's a really awesome program to look into. And essentially what it means is that students uh, can be at the college, at a community technical college for up to a full enrollment um, and get their AA and their high school diploma at the same time. So they can finish all of their high school requirements by taking college courses and kind of get a jump start on that kind of academic career that they might want to have. Um, so big running start population. Uh, we also have, I think, somewhere around a thousand international students every quarter as well, which is another, you know, big population. Mm-hmm. Those are students from all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. We also have a, you know, workforce education department, which means we're working with folks who are returning to the workforce after maybe a leave of some kind. Uh, Maybe they stopped out of work because of family issues. And so they're coming back and wanting to, you know, get back into the workforce. Folks who maybe were in a field that um, is, you know, they can't find new jobs in or they can't get kind of promotion in without getting um, an extra level of education. So those are folks who are much more in our like 40s and 50s. And so, yeah, it's just, it's everyone, frankly, um, that we have at the college. And I think that provides a really unique experience for students in the classroom and student groups because they are interacting with people from all over the world and all over the kind of age spectrum, um, mm-hmm. which I don't think is you is something a lot of folks get um, if they're going to kind of a typical, they're going in as a typical freshman to yeah. a four-year institution. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I learned a lot from, you know, just even being in meetings and in spaces with international students talking about, you know, um, different considerations when it comes to interpersonal violence. So um, I think it was, you know, a really great group of peer educators to be able to connect with um, and educate their peers on campus. So kind of going back to the implementation of the program, um, I kind of mentioned already that it was it was a lot of work. And like, like I said, intentionality and thought put into, 
you know, the whys and the hows and all of that. Um, what are some of the components that you knew you wanted to be incorporated into this program? Yeah, that is a great question. So I think the things that we really, because it wasn't, thankfully it wasn't just me um, putting it together. I kind of had, you know, it's my full-time job to be uh, managing the program, but thankfully I had a team of folks, yourself included, Vanessa, um, but also some mm-hmm. other folks at the college and some students who were already involved in the prevention side of the work happening who said, you know, this is something that we we need. This is something that is going to make a bigger impact than having you, Kelsey, go around as a staff person trying to do all of these trainings. Mm-hmm. And I think also when folks were doing some looking around, just noticing that that was a model that we could see at kind of four-year institutions and at some other community technical colleges around the country. And so it felt like something we could do but also something that would be new. Um, I don't know of any other community technical colleges in the state that have a peer educator program around um, interpersonal violence prevention. Uh, We do have other types of peer Mm -hmm. education programs. I mean, even at Green River, we have our international student um, program has a peer education component to it. Uh, They're called peer navigators, I think. Um, So, you know, there were models that we kind of knew this was something that makes an impact. And we wanted peers, you know, students to be the ones providing the message because the the big goal, like the overarching goal at the end of the day is to change our campus culture, to make it so that no one mm-hmm. in our campus, in our college community experiences interpersonal violence. And the way to get there is to make sure interpersonal violence mm-hmm. isn't something that's a norm, that everyone knows what to do when they see right. warning signs and that we establish how to have healthy relationships so that it's not something anyone has to become a survivor of. Uh, And so I think as a group, we knew that's what we wanted. Um, And the only way that I know to make anything that people feel connected to is to have them be the ones to make it. You know, I could create the most beautiful, wonderful presentation in the whole world. And if someone doesn't feel connected to that, material, they're not going to present it in a way that feels authentic or feels real. And we're talking about things like Mm -hmm. sexual violence and folks don't feel connected to that. How, how is anyone else supposed to take it seriously? So it just, I don't know, it felt like a really natural thing to have the peer educators be the ones who developed the curriculum and developed what, what the thing was. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think having those, having students involved at every step of the process is the thing that made it the most impactful. We had students mm-hmm. on the like hiring committee for our peer educators. We had students in the group who were developing what um, the peer education program, what its goals and objectives were going to be. And then we had the peer educators actually make the stuff. So, yeah, I think that was the thing that made it feel the most holistic, I guess. And I know that in 
the the recording that we did with the peer educators, they mentioned like, you know, it wasn't a prerequisite to have all this knowledge about interpersonal violence or violence prevention. Um, it really started with them being passionate and interested in doing this work. Um, and I loved that they had, you know, such a kind of like robust training experience throughout the program, um, because I think that's so important to make sure that they feel supported and knowledgeable about what they're doing. And it, it definitely came across in the conversation that we had. Yeah, no, I think the training piece was definitely important um, and that that did have a lot of intention behind it. Uh, so I think the the training, and I can't remember how much the peer educator shared about this, but the training that they did ran the gamut from here's what inter- the different types of interpersonal violence are, you know, the warning signs, the dynamics, why it happens, what it looks like, all of that, to talking about what to do when they get a disclosure of violence. Um, again, Vanessa, that was your amazing contribution to that. Um, we also did a training on what the principles of prevention are, so that not only were they enacting the work of prevention, but they understood the reasons why that is mm-hmm. something that we do. And we actually were lucky enough to have our public speaking center at Green River College, the the manager and one of the um, instructors in that department, come and do trainings on this is what public speaking is. These are some of the things mm-hmm. that can be challenges for folks. And let's do some practice uh, to get you ready to actually present this pretty difficult information. Um, so, you know, they were getting training not just on the content and the information, but also on the actual act of presenting, Mm -hmm. Um, which I felt really lucky to kind of have that gamut um, of different types of training. Um, And I don't know if their like public speaking training also talked about how to do it online, but they were doing all of this online, which is (laughs) another layer in itself, um, having these challenging, um, and, you know, sensitive conversations through a screen. So Mm -hmm. for sure. (laughs) Yeah. All of their training they did virtually all, everything was done online. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, I didn't actually meet two, I still have never met one of the peer educators in person. And the other two (laughs) I met in person only because I did our like drive through commencement and they came through and I was like, oh my gosh, hello. Um, But that's the only reason I ever, you know, met them in person. So it's just wild to think about. It is so wild, but I, you know, they, they did a great job just adapting to the times. I I wanted to see if you have any like stories or like, you know, really fun moments to share with listeners about how you knew it was a successful project. Part of how I knew was just because the students expressed that they were feeling successful. Um, You know, we, I think this is one of the pieces I don't know that they talked much about and I don't 
talk much about, but is actually probably critically important, so I should talk about it more. Um, Not only did the students have an hour and a half every week that they were receiving training from someone, either myself or a community partner, someone came in and did an hour and a half of training each week. And then we actually had two other hours each week where we debriefed the training that they received. We talked about what... um, not only what of the content they felt was important and useful and, you know, tagging kind of different bits that they thought they would want to present, but also talking about how that presenter presented that information and what they, mm. what skills and tools they kind of wanted to pull from all of those different presenters as well. Um, you know, for oh, one gosh. presenter, no, Vanessa, they loved yours. They were like, we just want to do what Vanessa did. <laughs> um, oh, is very kind. But, uh, one of the presenters, you know, gave so much information and they were like, this is incredibly helpful, but it felt like I was trying to drink from a fire hose. And that is not the way people can Mm. take in this information. Mm -hmm. So we need to not do that. As beneficial as it was for them, they were like, this is too much. So I think Mm -hmm. it wasn't just the training of the information, but also us as a team talking about what our the important pieces that we want to bring and how do we want to bring that information. Um, So it wasn't just, you know, get this training and then put something together. We had quite a bit of time. We were actually talking about what we wanted it to be. Um, And also doing like emotional check-ins. That's usually what our Mm -hmm. last hour was, you know, talking about how we were all doing, what we were feeling was working well, what wasn't working well. They probably got tired of me asking about how they were feeling, but I don't know any other way to be in relationship with people. So that's (laughs) what we did. Um, But I think it helped create a lot of cohesion because they all kind of knew where each other were at, what, you know, was feeling stressful at that point in time, who had maybe more capacity because they weren't in the middle of midterms, and really feeling like a unit that was moving through something. Um, If we had started earlier in the quarter, like been able to kind of start back in the fall and do all of the training and everything in fall and winter, and then actually have all of spring to actually present, um, I think that all of that time and energy spent previously would have been something that would have shown through in the presentations. Mm -hmm. And I think it did show through in the couple of presentations they were able to do, but the fact that they all knew and trusted each other and knew they could rely on each other to present Mm -hmm. the information um, and to get support and backup from each other. I think that Mm -hmm. is also part of what I felt like was a success Um, because they, they felt like a team. And again, Mm -hmm. when you're presenting information that is going to be hard, that you know a lot of people are going to feel challenged around, knowing that you've got other people that you trust, I think is the big deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thinking back to the presentation that I attended, it definitely seemed like they were a team, that they were really working well with each other. So lastly, I wanted to see if you had any tangible takeaways for folks. Um, If a listener was curious about how it would look to start up a similar program at their school or agency, what are some tips you'd give them? Yeah. So I think hmm, we've talked about quite a few of them already. So I think to just Mm -hmm. 
like highlight some of them. Um, one is to have students involved at every stage of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that that's a pretty trite thing at this point, the whole idea that if you're creating something for a group of people, that you involve that group of people in the creation. Um but it's something that's so easy to lose track of at the same time because mm-hmm. we get this idea and then, you know, maybe we have a couple of hours to make something. And so we make it and then we're like, here you go. Um, mm-hmm. So it definitely slows down the process to involve more people mm-hmm. and it slows down the process to involve students because they have lots of other commitments um, and rightfully so they should be focusing on their education. They should be focusing on, you know, making sure they're getting that stuff done too. But I think the end result is something that is so much more impactful. Um, Mm. I also think that it's interesting because I, because we're a grant funded program, there were definitely some objectives that I was like, if we could meet these things, it would be really helpful. But I Mm -hmm. explicitly talked to the peer educators about, you know, these are grant objectives. If these things aren't what you want to include, we will do something else and I'll find some other way of meeting those grant objectives. So they knew kind of that piece. But by the time we got to the Mm -hmm. end, it's like, oh, those were actually the things that they cared about too, because those are the things that were important, you know, making sure people know about Mm -hmm. the types of violence, knowing what resources are, like all of the things, it, it like wrapped itself together. Um, So to not get too caught up in, are we going to get to the end goal that I have? Mm -hmm. Because we got there anyway, regardless of the fact that the students were the ones who said, this is what we want to do. So I think that was an important piece for me to, because I'll tell you, I got a bit nervous. I was like, oh shoot, what if we open this whole can of worms and they want to go in a completely different direction. And then I've (laughs) got to figure out this whole other thing. But that wasn't the case. And I guess I don't know because I'm not in their brains, but hopefully they didn't feel a ton of pressure to do this thing just because I said that there were grant objectives. Um, So maybe there was, you know, some piece there, but they're like, no, those are actually the things we want to talk about. I was like, okay, great. Then let's do that. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, So I know that can be a worry where it's like, well, we don't know what's going to happen. Well, maybe it'll be okay, though. It was for me. Uh, So that and then just giving it the space and time that it really needs to be done well. Uh, I know that space and time is not something all of us feel like we have a ton of. um, But I think just not getting too bogged down in the we said we would do things in the certain order at the certain time and letting it just kind of flow the way it needed to made it a million times better because if we would have just pushed and pushed it wouldn't have been something that again the students felt connected to because it would have been me mm-hmm. doing more and more of the work um right and then it would have been less and less theirs um and you know a lot of that is stuff that i'm trying to remember as we're going into another mm-hmm. academic year because we will be hiring a new set of peer educators uh, which is going to be exciting, but trying to figure out this go round, how to say, okay, we've got this thing that has already been created. What pieces of it do you think we should keep? What things have changed since it was created or what feels more authentic to you? Um, mm-hmm. So figuring out from the students how to balance that 
because it can also be really easy to say, well, we've got this presentation. Let's just go forward with that Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe be able to kind of start up the training a lot, start up providing training a lot sooner and not recreating the wheel, obviously, like Mm -hmm. not starting from ground zero, but what does that intermediate place look like? I don't know. Right. Right. So we'll see. Yeah. Exciting. Very exciting stuff. Um, <laughs> awesome. Anything else you want to share? or? Um, I mean, I think this, when we've said this a little bit already, but this has just one, been one of the best parts of my job, um, has been moving through this process with this group of students. Um, just getting to see them take that kind of passion that they had to kind of hone down what they thought was important and then have them feel confident enough to get up, well, virtually, in front of students, faculty, community Mm -hmm. members, um, and present that information and to feel good about it afterwards. Like that, it's just been so great. Um, and I hope for more people in the world that they get to have that experience of, of moving through a process like this with a group of students because they're the ones that are making the change in our college community. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was just great to get to be a part of it. Thank you to the Green River College Violence Prevention Center's Kelsey Barons for the content in this episode. This episode was edited and produced by me, Vanessa Corwin of King County Sexual Assault Resource Center. Find us online at kcsarc.org, on socials at kcsarc, or email us at education at kcsarc.org. Thanks for listening.